Good morning everyone. Today we're starting a new series on Ephesians. So let me take you to ancient Ephesus. It was a Mediterranean port with an inland harbour, a crossroads for trade and commerce. It was one of the largest cities of the Roman world, nicknamed the Mother of Asia. It was busy, noisy, cosmopolitan, prosperous and religious. It was the centre of the cult of Artemis. A statue, probably a meteorite, had supposedly fallen from heaven in ancient times and was housed in a vast temple. Imagine the Parthenon, but much bigger. Artemis was a mother goddess who was hugely popular throughout Asia, especially among women. She was seen as the bringer of life. Women called on her for help with conception and safe childbirth. The occult, magic and sorcery were all practised widely in Ephesus and prostitution was tied up with the worship of Artemis. Perhaps it was not a place that would welcome teaching about one God and his son, Jesus Christ. When Paul came to Ephesus, as recorded in Acts chapter 19, he found some disciples of John the Baptist. They'd learned about the baptism for repentance from Apollos, their leader, and they were well prepared to hear about Jesus, to whom John had pointed. They became believers and were baptised again and filled with the Holy Spirit. This started the church in Ephesus, which grew rapidly. As so often, the Jews in the local synagogue were jealous of Paul's growing influence. So he set up in a public debating hall and he taught all comers for two years. From there, the word went out across the whole region. Paul was beginning to think that he should move on when there was a major riot. So many people were turning to Christ that the silversmiths who made their living by selling images of Artemis were worried about losing their incomes and they stirred up the whole city. Paul moved on, but he kept praying for the church and he left Timothy there as pastor to set up some proper leadership for them. Later, he met with the elders of Ephesus as he was returning to Jerusalem. And we have this letter which he wrote to the church. We'll be looking at bits of it over the next few weeks. And what an opening we've read this morning. Paul's words gush out in an overflow of praise for what God has done in Christ. He doesn't pause to draw a breath. He just piles one thought on another. In fact, in the Greek, the whole passage is one long sentence. We could preach a sermon on every phrase. It's incredibly good, full of good things. And we have about 10 minutes. Some of that's already gone. Blessed be God, starts Paul. It's a common Jewish starting point for prayer, a good way for us to start our prayers. And Paul extends it. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. God has blessed us in Christ with what? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Yes, every spiritual blessing. There is nothing more that God could do to bless us. We could not be more blessed. I wonder if you're feeling blessed this morning. 
If not, then let your mind dwell on all that God has done for us until you sense that praise welling up in your heart. Ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven, who like me his praise should sing. We are blessed whether we feel it or not. When we start to praise God, we soon find our spirits lifting. We're chosen and predestined. That comes in verse 4 and again in verse 11. To be adopted into his family and to bear the family likeness, to bring glory to him. And this is his choice, not ours. We're part of God's family. Don't get all hung up on questions about predestination and whether or not that's fair. Relax into it. Luxuriate in it. God has freely given us his grace. He lavished it on us. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Do you hear that? We've been bought and set free from slavery to sin and we've been forgiven. The slate is wiped clean, no matter what debt was chalked up on it. You may feel all tied up in knots inside, facing all kinds of distress, failure, defeat in your life. You may feel full of guilt for something that you've done or not done, or for a relationship that has soured. You may feel completely unlovable. But you know, in a sense, it doesn't matter how we feel. Paul, with all the authority of God, tells us that in Christ we are deeply loved, adopted, redeemed, forgiven. Can you find anything in this passage about what I have to do in order to be blessed? Well, yes, in verses 12 and 13, we find that we have to put our hope in Christ and believe. But that's all. That's the only response we have to make. It is essential. But there's no talk here of any good thing that we need to do first. There's no moral standard that we need to achieve in order to be blessed. It's not conditional on our good behaviour. God has blessed us because he wanted to. That is the kind of God he is. When we choose to accept that and trust him, he marks us with his own spirit. God marks us as his own possession by putting his spirit within us. He is our teacher and guide, our comforter and our helper, our enabler until our redemption is complete. He's the down payment for the future. After our reading, Paul moves from praise to prayer. So let's make this our own prayer for ourselves and for each other. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I've not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he has called, his holy people, who are his rich, glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead 
and seated him in the place of honour at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he's far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. Amen.